Good morning, everybody. My name is Matt. If you don't know who I am, um, I have the privilege of being married to one of our elders, Jen DeGear, and uh, get the opportunity to, uh, to come share with you guys here at Saints Community Church where we are reaching imperfect people to follow a perfect Jesus. Um, so thank you for joining us this morning um, in a, yeah, as my wife said, an interesting time. Um, so this morning we're continuing a, a series called Ephesians, A Better Way of Living. And Ephesians comes from the book of the Bible, a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus, uh, which is in modern-day Turkey. Um, it was a big city at the time, and, uh, and Paul dearly loved these people. And so he wrote a letter to them, instructing them in the way to live, the way to be the people of God in Ephesus. And so the first three chapters of that book, um, in typical Pauline fashion, are very theological. Like, this is who God is, and this is what God has done through Jesus in you. And this is the reality in which you live in, in the Spirit. And then the, the, the second half of the book... The second half of the letter is really about how then do you live in response to all these amazing truths about God. It's one thing to think about stuff and have nice ideas in your head, and it's another to really live in a brand new way. Um, and so this is the better way of living that is available to those who put their faith in Jesus. And so today, I have a message entitled, Watch Your Step. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be together with your people in your house. Um, it is a privilege, it really is a privilege to gather publicly and freely and to worship. Even if we can't see each other's complete faces, we see the, the smile and the joy in our eyes. We hear one another's voices lifted to you in praise. And you meet here with us, God. Lord, I pray that you would make us um, just especially aware of your nearness to us in this moment. That we would be aware of your spirit, that your word would be received into our hearts and that we would respond to your call. Jesus, when you showed up on planet Earth, your, your first message was that we should repent and believe the good news. And I believe you continue to call to us to change our minds, to be renewed in our thinking, that we might live the kingdom life that you offer. Fill us with your spirit today as we hear your word. Amen. Amen. So, okay, I have young children. And uh, maybe you have noticed, young children tend to imitate their parents or their elder siblings or their friends, right? Um, think about it. How did you learn maybe to walk or to talk or to hit a baseball? You probably watched somebody do it and then you imitated them. How did you learn to behave in church? Whether that was behaving well or behaving poorly. How did you learn to pray? How did you learn to say those naughty words? By watching somebody else and repeating what they did right? We're social. We might, you, call, you might call them sympathetic creatures. We learn by mimicking others, sometimes on purpose and, you know, sometimes just inadvertent. We pick up these behaviors and uh, just start doing them. My wife is actually really good at this. If she spends a lot of time with someone, I'll start to see their mannerisms in her face. Uh, it's kind of fun to watch. Um, now, you've probably all heard this phrase, do as I say, not as I do, which we all know is code for, yeah, right, um, because that's not how it works. We know that that is not true. We learn by watching and imitating much more than we learn by hearing nice ideas. Now, parents, you've probably done this. You, you, you watch your kids, and they start doing something or saying something or acting out in some particular way, and you scratch your head and say, where did they pick that up? And then you realize, oh, huh, that's probably from me. Uh, or maybe it's from your spouse, and you point the finger at them. Um, children learn from the models all around them whether those models are on TV or they're at school or they're at the store. Like, we've all seen kids acting out something they saw in a movie or in a cartoon, 
And honestly, this is part of the reason that Jen and I are really, really careful about what we allow our kids to watch. Because I think there's a lot of stuff out there that's like nice and it's okay, but it still teaches our kids that it's nice and okay to be disrespectful to their parents or um, other kinds of other stuff. Um, we learn by what we see, what we pay attention to. We become what we regularly observe, what we see and observe and think about on a constant or consistent basis is what shapes who we are. So as followers of Jesus, those who follow the perfect Jesus, it's important that we're aware that the life we live before others is being watched. People are observing. Maybe there's young believers who are watching, and you, they may mimic your way of following Jesus. Or maybe you've ever felt this. Um, others knew you're, you call yourself a Christian, and they're watching, waiting for you to slip and fall. Maybe in a workplace or with family members who are not following the Lord. Or perhaps with their neighbors. You know the feeling like they're waiting for that gotcha moment to say, Ha! You're not as good as you claim to be. You're not really any different than us. Our character, our nature, is reflected in our actions. We live observable lives that the people around us watch. We've all said or done something and immediately wished we could undo it. Maybe because someone was watching. You could say it like this, what I do shows who I am. So then the question becomes, how does God want us to live? And so let's start in Ephesians chapter 5, the first two verses is where we begin. The Apostle Paul writes, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So God is our father, and Jesus is our elder brother, and we look up to them for how we ought to live. Jesus didn't just do stuff for us. He created a way for us. We have a model, and here's the cool thing. We have a model worth following. Maybe you've had coaches in the past or teachers in the past, and you're like, I don't really know that I really want to be like them. Um, you don't necessarily want to follow their example. I'm trying to think of a coach I can't really think of one. I think there were some in childhood, and it's like I really probably didn't want to be like them. Um, didn't necessarily want to uh, model their physical condition in order to be a great athlete. But you know, they coached you anyways. Now with Jesus, he's perfect. And so in all of our imperfections, we get to follow the perfect one. So then let's continue now towards the, towards the middle of the chapter. This is where we're going to kind of hang out today in Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, for the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, or however you want to pronounce that word. Um, instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, making melody and making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's a good word. It begins with be very careful then how you live. The word live here is, is similar to what actually we saw in, chapter, in verse 1. It's talking about walk. This was a common idiom in the day, your, your walk. And so it actually, in older translations, we see this. And so people might still talk about how's your walk with the Lord, right? How, how, are you, how is your walk? 
Um, I, that's still code in some, some Christian circles. How's your walk, bro? Um, and they're talking about your way of life. Are you walking in step with Jesus? Are you walking in step with the commands of the Lord? This is your way of life. And so this is where the title comes from. Watch your step. Be very careful how you walk out your life. Examine it. Pay close attention to how you live. Paul's saying don't live that way. Live this way instead. You should live differently. And here's the thing. Christianity ultimately really is never meant to be a religion as we think about it. Um, it's a lifestyle. Did you know that the first followers, the first disciples of Jesus, before they got the name Christians, if you read this in the book of Acts, they were actually sometimes called followers of the way. Because it's a way of life. It was a different way of being. And even the name Christians, you're probably familiar, it means little Christ ones. Like people who go around trying to act like Jesus, this Christ guy. Um, so that's, that's who we're supposed to be. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's not just the right thing to believe, but he's the way to live. Now, that doesn't happen without some kind of intention, without some kind of thoughtful preparation. You don't accidentally start living like Jesus. So then Paul continues. He says, don't live as unwise, but as wise. He's going to repeat that multiple times. Then he says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, when he talks about opportunities here, um, this is a, a Greek word that could just be time. Some, some translations say make the most of the time or redeeming the time. I want to pay attention to the time. But this is a word for time that ultimately means like the, the appropriate moment. When you have the opportunity to do the right thing, be ready. Don't miss it. Um, this isn't like make sure you're, you're multitasking while you're going to the bathroom. Um, but what opportunities are coming your way? Are you prepared to make the most of that opportunity because the days are evil. And we understand that right now, right? We're, as we continue to navigate like a pandemic and all the craziness going on. Um, now some of us, like with different time, you're working from home or maybe you're not working at all, like, you've maybe had opportunity to rearrange or reprioritize some things. I'm trying to make the most of your time, right? Now here's the, here's the sad part. You can check off all of your amazing to-do lists on your great priority thing and miss out on life. Miss out on the most important things. So what do we need to change in our priorities to be able to make the most of every opportunity? Now, there are some simple things. Maybe we could be better at reading the Bible together with our family, invest more in the lives of our neighbors, maybe volunteer, um, or just be more generous with our resources. I think these are all good practices that are helpful in doing what the Apostle Paul will go on to tell us here in a minute what he tells to his original readers. So then he goes on, therefore, whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you should figure out what the therefore is there for. Uh -huh. um, it's a silly joke, but it's also true. Therefore links what was said before to what is about to be said. So because we should make the most of every, every opportunity, because we should pay attention to how we live, because the days are evil, therefore don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, this foolish thing, you can learn a lot about this in the Bible. The Bible has a lot to say about the wise and foolish living. Go to the book of Proverbs. It's all about wisdom. and describes the foolish life in great detail. Uh, you can look at Proverbs chapter 1. The fool does not want to be told how to live. They actually despise wisdom and correction like a typical five-year-old. Um, so when Jesus says be childlike, that's not the childlikeness that Jesus is referring to. Uh, Proverbs chapter 12. The fool always thinks that they're right. Always about everything. I don't like that one. Uh, 
I like to think that I'm right a lot. Um, Proverbs kind of kick me in the teeth sometimes. Proverbs 18, the fool always like to express their opinion. Also, I resemble that remark. Um, but the, the second part is that they're really not inclined to listen to your opinion. So, so usually I'm pretty okay to listen to yours. I just want to make sure you hear mine. Um, but this what the, the fool is someone who, who does things their way. They don't necessarily think about it. They're not going to follow somebody else's guidance. They're going to do it their way. And so Psalm, some of the Psalms are actually wisdom Psalms. Psalm chapter 14 has this to say about the fool. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. In effect, I'm going to live my life as if nobody's opinion actually matters. That what I do only affects me, and I'm going to do me, you do you, and that's going to be fine. I just want to say, like, you do you sounds fun, and maybe you think about that as like, be authentic to yourself, but that is not a Jesus way of living. Jesus way of living is to pay attention to the ways of the Lord and to pay attention to those around us because they matter to him. So they ought to matter to us. Now, the other side of not being foolish is then understand what the Lord's will is. You might think of this as understand what God wants. So if you understand what God wants, then you should then live in, live in compliance. Do what God desires. It's one thing to know what he wants. It's another thing to actually obey. Um, so this tells us a couple things, though. If Paul writes in inspired scripture, understand what the Lord's will is, that's basically a command. So this tells a couple things. We can know what the Lord's will is. We can know what God wants. And then we then are expected to search it out and find out what it is that he wants. This is not just good advice. This is not just like, you know, if it happens to happen to you that somehow you get this, bling, the Lord wants this. Then do that. No, this is have a lifestyle of understanding. Find out who the Lord is and what he prefers and what he desires, just as if maybe you fell in love with somebody. And you're going to stalk that person, hopefully in appropriate ways, and find out what do they like and what do they want and where do they go and who are they going to spend their time with. And I'm going to go do those kind of things and talk about those kind of things and care about the people that they care about and so forth and so on because I am interested in their approval. I'm interested in, in their affection and in their love. And I want them to feel my affection and my love and my devotion and my loyalty. It's... it's Sometimes we think about obeying God, and we're like, oh, it's so hard. Goodness gracious. Why is God so demanding? Why can't I just do what I want to do? It's like, well, you can. But do you love him? Is he lovely to you? And so this is where thinking, like, if you think about Jesus, what does that do in your heart? Is he just like some religious figure, like, well, he taught some good stuff, so I guess I should pay attention? Or is he the love of your life? Because if he's the love of your life, you, do not, you don't want to offend him. You don't want to grieve him. You don't want to hurt his heart. You want to fill him with joy to the best of your ability. The good thing is he, he loves you, so he rejoices in your presence. You show up, and he is happy. You know, like grandparents, like, you're there. They are happy. Um, of course, there are ways to make grandparents unhappy, and there are ways to grieve the heart of the Lord. But if we love him, we want to do what pleases him. It's, it's really, it's not, not that crazy. 
Now, so if God's will is something we can know, this isn't some like deep esoteric secret. Oh, what is it saying? No, actually the Bible is pretty clear about a lot of what it is that God cares about, what God loves and what God desires. Just a, just a few, few examples. First Timothy 2, God desires that all people come to know him by believing in him. First Thessalonians 4, God will, God's will is that his people, that their moral lives are different than the world around them. James chapter 1, God's people should take care of widows and orphans in their distress. Deuteronomy chapter 6, Matthew 6, God wants us to love, value, and seek him above all else with our whole being because he is the infinite, priceless, most beautiful reality in all of existence. And then in our, our passage today, God wants us to learn wisdom and live it out. So it's really not hard to find out God's will. We can look in the Bible and find out a whole lot of it. But okay, what about those big life decisions? You know, like, who am I going to marry? What job should I take? What city should I live in? That's not in the Bible, right? However, if we, if we listen to Jesus, he says in Matthew 6, if we seek first God's kingdom and God's right way of being, then God will take care of all the things that we're worried about. Can we trust him? Psalm 37, 4 teaches us that if we center our joy in the Lord, if we delight in him, he will give us our heart's desire. Psalm chapter 1 is another wisdom psalm, and it says that the way of the, the person who constantly sets their minds on the ways and teachings of the Lord, will li- they'll be like a healthy tree that produces good fruit, and everything that they do prospers. So as your heart and your mind and your thoughts are centered on the Lord and on his word and on his truth, you will have wisdom to make right choices. It's, it's beautiful. And it's not, it's not some secret ooey-gooey thing. Now, sometimes there are hard choices to make, but you'll have confidence as you walk close to the Lord. The more time I spend with Jen, the better idea I have of how she's going to respond in certain circumstances. And so if I need to make a decision and I don't have time to call her, I have a pretty good idea of what she would prefer in that moment and what would actually be good for her, so forth and so on. If I, pay, if I really pay attention, I even know what her schedule is, which I don't always do, but maybe I should. And then I can make decisions about our, our mutual schedules that will be in alignment with what's right. If we spend time with Jesus, it's the same thing. So, in our passage today, the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us something important. So important, you see him repeat it three times. He says, we should watch our step, live like the wise, not like the foolish. And he says we should make the most of every opportunity. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be wise. I mean, don't be unwise, be wise. Don't be foolish, be understanding. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. This is the third way in which he says the same thing. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here's our third contrast. Don't be filled with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Drunkenness leads to debauchery, which is basically another form of foolishness. When you get drunk, you, you make bad decisions. Bad decisions with your money, bad decisions with relationships, bad decisions with bodies. So instead of getting drunk 
on, with wine, we are to be filled with the Spirit. And this is a command. It's not optional. It's not like, oh, if you want to live a good life, you know, here's a suggestion. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, do not be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is an imperative for the follower of Jesus. Do whatever it takes to be a person who is full of the Holy Spirit. I've been reading Charles Finney a lot lately, and uh, he says this. He says that the Christian is just as guilty for not being filled with the Holy Spirit as the sinner is for not repenting of his sins. And it's true. Now, being filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to explain a little bit more what that means. This isn't about having a particular type of emotional experience. This is about having a particular type of life. How do we fulfill that command to being filled with the Holy Spirit? What does this command to avoid drunkenness have to say to us beyond the obvious, that getting drunk is bad form? There's a, a parallel passage in Colossians chapter 3 that I want to look at real briefly. Um, Ephesians and Colossians are very similar letters. If you read them side by side, you'll see they're, they're written by the same person to people who live close together, experiencing similar things, probably the same time of, of Paul's life. And he wants them both to have some really meaty stuff to chew on because he's probably never going to see them face to face again. So in Colossians 3, 15 to 17, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So hopefully you caught some of the, the parallels with our Ephesians chapter 5 passage. Um, he says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. And this is really the parallel statement, I think, for be filled with the Spirit. This is the pathway to the Spirit-filled life. What do you fill your mind with? What is your mind full of? What is your conversation flavored with? Are you drunk with wine or beer? Are you high? Well, your brain's probably muddled, and your thoughts are far from the wisdom of the way of Jesus. Are your thoughts saturated with thoughtless or immoral entertainment? College football trivia, never-ending stream of news media or social media. It's hard to think the thoughts of Jesus when our minds are saturated with all this other stuff. This is very convicting to me this week. What's your mind saturated with? We can be drunk on more than just alcohol. A mind that's filled with the things of this world is headed to debauchery. That foolish place where we're incapable or unwilling to hear sound teaching to change our ways and live like Jesus. May the Lord have mercy on us all. Paul goes on to list three signs or habits of what a life filled with the Spirit looks like at the end of our passage here. So the first evidence of a Spirit-filled life is worship and holy conversation. So speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual, or songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. See, I keep, I flip-flop my memorization with Colossians chapter 3 where it says spiritual songs instead of songs from the Spirit. The same idea. Now, if you go to Colossians, it says speak and admonish one another with these things. And if we look at our context here, this isn't just about going to church and singing good church music. As, as great as that is, being worshipful is part of being a spirit-filled life. But this is also your day-to-day -day conversation is flavored. Like, does, does the music we just sang, does that influence your mind throughout the week? Does it influence your thoughts, your conversation, day in and day out? When a brother or sister comes to you in need of counsel or comfort, 
Do these words of the, of the scriptures, these words of worship, do they come out of your mouth to encourage them and counsel them? I think that's what is supposed to happen. Now, does your conversation, does your worship demonstrate a spirit-filled life? Because when the spirit is in control of our lives, we will worship correctly. And I think, I don't know if this is, I'm guessing some of you else here, like I, I find it deeply encouraging throughout the week. There'll be songs of worship, sometimes just verses of scripture, but often the songs just come more naturally. Like I'm singing in my heart constantly these songs to the Lord, and it brings comfort and it brings strength to just continue to walk with him. It keeps my mind paying attention to the spirit. And sometimes it's like, praise the Lord in my heart, la, la, la. I'm tempted to sin. Oh, wait, I'm praising the Lord in my heart. I should keep doing that instead of doing that. Um, so this thing of like continually to make music in your heart to the Lord doesn't mean you have to be a great singer, but like these things that, that hold your attention and hold your affection on Jesus, hold on to those things. Let them shape who you are on the inside on purpose. The second sign or habit of a life filled with the Spirit is gratitude. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When the Spirit is in control of our lives, we are thankful. Now, is your life marked by grumbling and gratitude? Or gratitude, sorry, grumbling or gratitude. Um, now is a time in our world where there's a lot of grumbling around us. Let's live differently. Does your thankfulness demonstrate a spirit-filled life? The third sign of a spirit-filled life or the habit is humility and relationship. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When the Spirit is in control of our lives, we are submissive. And by submissive, it doesn't mean that I, I never get what I want and I just become a doormat, but it means I, I prefer you over myself. I value you highly. And so I'm going to put myself aside so that you can have what you need. And of course, if we're doing this together, if the whole church, the whole community of Jesus is always submissive, then we, we all build each other up. And so I don't have to worry about, am I going to get mine? I'm going to help you get yours. And someone else is going to help me get mine. We help each other get the, the love, the appreciation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that we need. This is, man, what would the world be like if we all lived submitting ourselves to one another? That's the kingdom of God. So at the beginning of the, our passage, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk of the way of love, in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. When we imitate Jesus, we live a life worth imitating. Man. You might think, well, that is too difficult. There's no way me, imperfect person, can measure up to the perfect Jesus. How can I imitate Jesus? And so you're, you're right in a sense. Like, we can't do this on our own strength. We have to be filled with God's spirit in order to follow God's example and walk in the way of the love of Jesus. We need to be continually filled with his spirit day by day and moment by moment in order to walk differently. But there's no special formula or technique to be filled with the spirit. When we place our faith in Jesus, we allow God's spirit to have access to every area of our lives. And as the spirit fills us, the sky's the limit. If you guys want to come here for the, as we close. So, um, I came across this story this week, or I was actually given this story, as I was, said, as I was told, here, why don't you can preach basically this message. I'm like, okay. And this is a pretty cool story. Um, so apparently in the Great Depression in West Texas, there was a guy named Yates. Farmer Yates had a ranch, a sheep ranch, and the sheep ranch wasn't doing very well. 
And so his family found itself in poverty, struggling to put food on the table, struggling to find clothes to wear. It was rough. It was the Great Depression. However, one day, a seismographic crew from an oil company came, told him that there might be oil on his land. And so they, they looked around and they offered him a contract to, to drill out that oil. Turns out he had a huge reserve of oil on his land. And so his family lacked for nothing ever again. Mr. Yates owned it all the whole time, but he didn't know. He and his family were living in poverty, not knowing that the oil was there or that it was his. And as followers of Jesus, I think there are times when we live in spiritual poverty. We have access to the wealth of the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. As we're filled with the Spirit, we will walk differently. We can live wise. We can understand and walk in God's will and have the evidence of following Jesus' example in our lives. Man, walking the way of Jesus isn't just about being well-behaved, and it's not just that like other people will be able to look up to you. The way of Jesus is the way of joy. It's the way of life. It's the way of peace. It's what we were made for. And we all hunger for that. Who doesn't want to be good? Like, who doesn't want to be able to love and be generous when the opportunity arises? We all do. Now, sometimes when the opportunity arises, we get scared and we think we're going to lose if we act in that way. But ultimately, we don't want to be known as being stingy. We don't want to be known as being joyless. We want the life that Jesus offers. And there are certain ways to live that allow you to live in that life, and there are certain ways to live that, that keep you away from that life. But God gives us a spirit. And so the first step to living this life is honestly, is, is, is obviously realizing that you don't have it. That's what repent is. Like, man, my way of life doesn't work. I can't get to where I want to be if I keep going in this direction or keep living by this energy, my own energy. The only way there is to accept what God offers. And that's the way to know Jesus. That's the way of salvation. I'm going to give an opportunity just for, if you need that, to respond to that in a moment. And then if you've made that decision, but you're, you're, you're like Mr. Yates, and the oil's there. It's right there. You just need to allow it to come forth. You need to set your sights on Jesus let the truth of him dwell richly in your minds and live filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just have a, a moment of a, a spiritually fulfilling moment, but live a spirit-filled life. And God offers that to us.